This is KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, April 27th. It's 6 p.m. and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Joyce Miller returns Tuesday. The California Report shares concerns that this week's warm weather will accelerate the rate at which the historic Sierra snowpack will melt, sending water cascading down to the Central Valley towns already dealing with high water levels. KQED's Saul Gonzalez talks to KVPR reporter Joshua Yeager about the increased flood risk in communities like Corcoran in Kings County. After regional news and weather, Julia Jem joins us to share the latest from the Nevada County Board of Supervisors. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As California wages its fight against smog and climate change, state regulators this week will vote on a plan to start phasing out diesel truck fleets from delivery vans to garbage trucks to 18-wheelers. The regulators want to see them replaced with zero-emission vehicles. KQED's Laura Clivens reports. The state has some of the worst air quality in the country, and while trucks represent roughly 6% of vehicles on the road, they contribute an outsized amount of health-harming pollution and climate-warming gases. Carmen Gonzalez lives in San Bernardino, where big rigs regularly rumble by the local park. Tenemos mucha contaminación, tenemos muchos problemas de asma, de cáncer, de alergias. She says the community suffers from asthma, cancer, and allergies. Regulators estimate the rule will save billions, both in health costs to the state and in maintenance of fleets to owners. But the California Trucking Association says the regulations will be impossible to accomplish in the time frame laid out. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. Let's turn to the weather. Snow is melting, floodwaters are rising, and it's going to get worse. That's the takeaway as the first big heat wave of the season hits the Sierra. Temperatures in the 90s starting today and through the weekend are expected to sizzle massive amounts of snow and send torrents of water rushing down the mountains. Reporter Joshua Yeager with KVPR is keeping an eye on the water's rise and joins us now. Hi, Josh. Hey, Saul. So this does not sound good at all. This hot sun that's really kind of scorching, right? Accumulated snowpacks up in the mountains. What do they think is going to happen? Well, a lot of snow is going to melt. That's the short answer. Yosemite National Park is going to close for a few days to prepare for the deluge. And further downstream, communities are at risk of flooding. Nowhere is that greater than here in the southern San Joaquin Valley. It's an open question how fast all that snow will melt and whether dams will be able to hold the water. The good news is water managers have so far been able to keep dams mostly empty, so they say we should be good for this weekend. But that's just the beginning. This heat wave is only the first chip in the snowpack's armor. We have at least four more months of warm weather ahead of us, and that'll be the real test. A few more early heat waves like this one could spell big trouble for communities downstream. Could you tell us more about these communities at risk? I know in particular you've been covering Corcoran. Uh, What's been happening there? Well, Corcoran is a small agricultural town. About 22,000 people live there, along with a whole lot of orchards and row crops. Eight months ago, it was an extreme drought. Now it borders what looks like an ocean of water. And that's the Tulare Lake. Its once-in-a-generation return is causing big problems for officials and residents. Some farms are already underwater, and the lake is lapping at the levee that surrounds the town. It's the only thing holding millions of gallons of water back. And there's just 10 feet to go before the water comes over the top. 
Wow. So what is Corcoran doing to try to protect itself? Let me paint a picture. The levee is a 14-mile-ish dirt wall, and crews are in a mad dash to dump eight more tons of dirt to raise it. Strengthening the levee is hugely important as the lake is expected to hang around for up to two years. Corcoran City Manager Greg Gatska says the project will cost roughly $20 million, and that's a lot of money for this small city. Gatska says they can't wait for potential emergency aid. There's only a few weeks to get this done before the water gets too high and the ground gets too soggy for heavy equipment. Here's Gatska. Uh, Army Corps engineers even, even put out an estimate that our community has a value of about $6 billion if we lost it. Uh, the people that live here, though, are the most critical part. They have value, and we need to do everything we can to try to protect them. Governor Gavin Newsom visited the area Tuesday. He says he'll work with the city and Lakeside counties on funding for flood projects. Interestingly, there are two state prisons in Corcoran, and they're not accepting new inmates right now because of potential flooding concerns. Hmm. Even as they face the threat of flooding, I assume the people of Corcoran are just trying to go about their lives. How are they handling this? People are looking up at those majestic snow-capped peaks, as beautiful as they are, with a pit in their stomachs. I met Lucia Solis. She's lived in Corcoran for 30 years. She says she and others are prepared to leave their longtime home on a dime. Well, you know what, we got some things ready, like important documents. I keep in my trunk, you know, in case we have to do that. I have to I make sure that my tank is full, you know, and and just wait, you know, wait and pray. Waiting and praying. That's what many people in the San Joaquin Valley are doing. Yeah, waiting and praying indeed. All right, we've been speaking to KVPR's Joshua Yeager. Joshua, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Thanks, Saul. Four California lawmakers are asking their colleagues in Congress to pass a bipartisan disaster recovery package aimed at helping farmers and farm workers devastated by winter storms. Representatives Jimmy Panetta, Zoe Lofgren, Salud Carpajal, and Jim Costa represent areas of the state that saw more than $500 million in estimated damage from storms in late December and mid-January. These estimates, though, don't include subsequent storms, including one that flooded the town of Pajaro last month. The relief package would include help for those who lost their homes and workers who need assistance with unemployment benefits. Orange County now has its own Office of Immigrant and Refugee Affairs. The county's Board of Supervisors voted unanimously this week to approve the new office. It'll provide immigrants and refugees with critical services like housing and health care to help them ease into their resettlement. Apollonio Morales is with the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights. By having that streamlined approach, by having that engagement with different community groups coming together, making sure that this office is pinpointing folks where they need to go, it makes everybody's job a heck of a lot easier. Now, according to an Orange County staff report, the influx of refugees from Afghanistan in 2021 in particular highlighted the need to improve immigrant and refugee resettlement services. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at IrvineAwards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. 
on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that is the California Report for Thursday, April 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife is reporting that one hunter-harvested mule deer, a buck from El Dorado County, was confirmed to be infected with COVID-19. It was harvested in 2021 and sampled by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife for chronic wasting disease surveillance. It was negative for CWD and showed no outward signs of illness. In California, COVID has been confirmed in pets and zoo animals, but never before in free-ranging wildlife. Dr. Brandon Monk, a senior wildlife veterinarian with CDFW, said, quote, We do not see SARS-CoV-2 as a threat to our deer populations, but we continue to work with partners to better understand what, if any significance, SARS-CoV-2 infections in wildlife may pose to wildlife and people. He goes on to say that this is certainly another reminder not to intentionally feed deer. Artificially congregating deer increases the likelihood of spreading disease and may be a source of SARS-CoV-2 exposure for deer. And, staying with wildlife, here in Nevada County, the union reports that a rabid skunk terrorized a Nevada City neighborhood. On Monday, April 17th, A Nursery Street resident was working in her yard when she felt something on her pant leg and shoe. When she looked down, she realized it was a skunk attacking her. Calls to medical personnel were made by her daughter, as well as to animal control. A neighbor also reported the incident with the skunk, although he was not bit. The case was ultimately turned over to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. The skunk was transported to UC Davis, where it tested positive for the rabies virus. According to Kyle Glau, a wildlife officer with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, spotting a rabid animal is difficult without testing its brain matter, though there are some telling characteristics. Now on the mend, the Nevada City woman is eager to give credit where she says it's due, extending her gratitude to the Nevada City Police Department, fire rescue, and first responders. Turning now to look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service in Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, clear with a low around 57. Friday, sunny with a high near 83. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 58 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 40. Friday, sunny with a high near 71. On Friday night, Truckee will be mostly clear with a low around 40. The National Weather Service has posted a flood watch that will be in effect from April 27th at 5 p.m. until May 1st at 9 a.m. They report that flooding caused by snowmelt continues to be possible and advise that those living in areas prone to flooding should be prepared to take action should it develop. And now, for our friends in Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight clear with a low around 60 degrees, Friday sunny with a high near 93 And Friday night, partly cloudy with a low around 59. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
The Board of Supervisors of Nevada County meets twice a month, and to cover those meetings, we've created a segment that we call Soups On. Soups On, everybody. And while it does feel like we were just here talking about the last meeting of the Board of Supervisors of Nevada County, in fact, there was another one. I'm referring to the meeting of April 25th. As always, Julia Jem, one of KVMR's news producers, covered the meeting, and she's joining me now to talk about it. Hi, Julia. Hi. So, Julia, in these talks, we've talked about the consent calendar right off the bat, sort of like how the meetings are. So tell me about the consent calendar. Uh, The consent calendar consisted of items number 1 through 17, but there were only 28 items on the agenda, so it was kind of a smaller, smaller list. So before we get into those items, was there any public comment at this last meeting? Yeah, just sort of like how all of the meetings have been the past couple of months, most of the public comment had to do with the Idaho-Maryland Mine Project, and all of the comment that had to do with that was in opposition of it. Yeah, that's definitely top of mind for a lot of people. Of course, I have to ask, did anybody speak in favor of the mine? No, but one resident did note that he found mathematical errors in the 2023 Employment Details document in the Economic Impact Report. Was any other topic covered? during public comment. Yeah, uh, members from the IHSS, which is the in-home support services, attended the meeting. Again, they've attended the last three meetings. Was that the same group of people that spoke last meeting in order to raise awareness about in-home care wages? Yeah. So a lot of the time when they've been putting out public comment, they kind of describe their personal experience and what they're doing in their work, and then they continue campaigning for higher pay. And just to be clear... This is not something that's on the agenda. They're just taking the opportunity during public comment to go on the record as advocating for that. Yeah, in fact, public comment in these regular meetings, it can't pertain to anything on the agenda. Was there anything notable on the consent calendar? Yeah, I think that items 13A and 13B were notable. 13A was a resolution accepting the Office of Emergency Services request to extend the local emergency in Nevada County that resulted from the 2022-23 winter storms. So they're trying to extend that period by 60 days. And 13B was basically the same thing, but specifically related to emergency-related costs that stemmed from the February 2023 snowstorm. So since they're both on the consent calendar, that means, or rather that implies, that they were not controversial. Non-controversial and both approved. Anything else on the consent calendar? Um, There was item number seven which was a resolution approving a contract between the county and the Homeless Resource Council of the Sierras to administer $185,409.50 of set-aside funds for homeless youth. And what, what would that be used for? They would provide support in the forms of, quote, homeless housing, assistance, and prevention from April 18th, 2023 to June 30th, 2026. Wow. So almost $200,000 to help homeless youth in a three-year period. Great. Consent calendar passed and approved. Yep. Okay. So now leaving the consent calendar, was there anything on, what's that part called? Anything that's not on the consent calendar? What do we call that? Those are independent items. Okay. Thanks. So were there any independent items that you want to talk about? Yeah. I thought that item number 20 was interesting. It wasn't on the consent calendar, but it was approved unanimously. And it was a resolution designating the Rome Powerhouse as Nevada County Historical Landmark NEV 23-01. What is the Rome Powerhouse? 
It was the first and only hydroelectric generating plant built on the South Yuba River. So only its remains are left. Wow. And where is that? It's on Purden Road in Nevada City, but it's on private property. So it's being designated as a historical landmark, but I'm guessing the public can't see it? Well, it's, it's located on private land, so public access is up to the owner, whether or not they would allow people to go and see it. I guess that's something that would have to be arranged in the future, but there was no mention of it at the meeting. But I suppose since it's happening, this is, well, it, it's significant. Yeah, it is. Let's talk about why it's significant. Why is this landmark on private property being recognized by a public body? Well, it entered service in 1896, and it served several of the local mines when they were in operation, and it eventually led to the electrification of Nevada City. Wow. Several of the people who contributed to its construction actually went on to form what we now know as PG&E. That's really interesting. Any other items that are notable? Uh, 23 and 24 were pretty notable. 23 was a certificate of recognition for Tina Vernon for over 22 years of public service, with 12 of those years being Nevada County's treasurer tax collector. And 24 was the swearing in of Michelle Bodley as Nevada County's new treasurer tax collector, so Tina Vernon's previous position. And when does that term start? It starts on April 29th of 2023, and it ends on January 4th of 2027 at noon. Wow, that was actually kind of a significant meeting, despite most of it being on the consent calendar. As you said, there was a historical landmark declaration and recognition of a public servant and even the swearing-in of a civil servant. Yep. Well, Julia, it's always great to have these talks with you. I appreciate how you condense these meetings into these little chats that we have. When's the next meeting? The next meeting takes place on Tuesday, May 9th. All right. Julia Jem, KVMR News producer, thanks so much for your work. Thank you. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. I am traveling. There are fields and pockets and meadows of super-blooming wildflowers all over the place, not just at Table Mountain or Carrizo Plain. Blooms to make you gasp. And super-bloom is a ridiculous marketing word, like super-moon. When they close the highway you're on due to some unknown emergency that includes a helicopter, it will take 40 minutes of driving around newly turned fields to find your way back, as GPS likes to say, to the route. I don't have GPS, but I've heard this phrase when I drive with others, return to the route. Okay, I am trying. In Western California, when you pull over to let faster cars pass, they honk in appreciation. Driving towards some things I don't want to write, but intend to write. Orchards still don't have signs to identify their crops, and I still can't tell which is peach or pistachio at 70 miles an hour. If I ran the world, this would be mandated for the education of the wider tree-ignorant community. The flowers are exciting, but my favorite color in California in spring is the soft neon green of new leaves unfurling. More bug splatter on the windshield than I've seen in years. Many fewer birds. But I was graced by a great egret soaring just above the road to inaugurate this drive. 
how its neck curls in flight, tight in, not the long extension of a sandhill crane or tundra swan, opposing definitions of streamlined. You can go 50 miles wondering what the difference is between verge and edge. Extra water in roadside ditches and one flood on that detour, which I made it through. Tractors waving plumes of dust behind them, hazing the air. You think it's brown smoke at first. It's the first hot day this year, rising and falling from 83 to 88 in open land and wooded hills. Bright sun the whole way. Finally, at the coast, 61. There is nothing, but nothing, that soothes my heart like a fog bank resting offshore. We are animals and have a native landscape locked into our nerve endings. Gas prices rise and fall, but are the same at your destination as they were back home. This hamlet is averse to credit cards. Everywhere they want only cash. Apparently, because of course I asked, this was not a civic movement, but developed organically over decades. The car next to mine in the motel lot has a local mechanic's license plate frame, local to my 200 miles away town. The side streets here are named after trees. I woke at 2 a.m. in time to see the moon set. Since I was up, I started writing. Lullaby of the ocean. How is something regular, as in always repeating, but so irregular, never the same timing or force? The planet, over and over, giving us paradox, while we, almost all of us, Try to find a consistent, predictable pattern, a rule we can follow that will make everything all right. Somebody said, but who? A Facebook meme misattributed, I'm sure. Prepare to be surprised. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, April 27th. We get support from Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. Fourpawsac.com and Mercury Cleaners and Drapery Service, family owned since 1971 offering full-service, eco-friendly dry cleaning and laundering of most things fabric, with two Grass Valley locations in the Brunswick Basin and South Auburn Street. Delivery service available, mercurycleaners.net. 
Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. Thanks for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a good evening and join us tomorrow for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News. Thank you.